This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so glad that you've tuned in today. Why don't you do me a favor, strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, friends, it's November and there's so much that we want to do to equip you to more effectively live, share, defend your faith. I hope you have already entered to win in our giveaway contest. This month through November 13th, we have a very special opportunity for you to get equipped this season on how to Think spirit, think uh, critically, grow spiritually, live compassionately in your community. Here's what Moody Radio is partnering with us to do. We're going to empower you to live out the gospel by equipping you with the new Apple laptop. That's right. Grand prize winner will uh, win not only a new Apple laptop, but $500 in log off software and also a master class through Moody on uh, God, creation, sin, and civilization. It is absolutely awesome talk by Dr. Russell Meek. So here's all you got to do. Go to moodyradio.org. That's moodyradio.org. Enter to win the Equip Radio contest. Now, all of those of you who enter will have access to that class And then we're going to uh, pick a few runners up. But if you are the grand prize winner, all of this is worth over $2,000. It's our way of equipping you and saying thank you for being a part of this ministry. So why don't you go to moodyradio.org, enter to win the Equip Radio Contest. Also, mark your calendars for November 17th if you're a monthly partner. That's our next Zoom webinar. Now, this is something special we do quarterly for our monthly partners. We get together and we talk about topics that are relevant to culture and to our church, to the broader culture that we are called to bear faithful witness to Christ in and to the church. This November 17th, immediately following the program, At 2 p.m. Eastern, we're going to talk about the church and politics. How do we as disciples of Christ uh, engage civically in a way that honors Christ and his teachings and also loves our neighbors well? I know that we live in a hyper-politicized culture. There'll be much to reflect on post-midterm election. And so I'm asking for you to register if you have not already done so. The Equipper Encouragement email that you already received from us contains the registration information. Now, if you're not a monthly partner, but you say, I need to be a part of that, it's easy to uh, become one. All you have to do is dial the number, 888 644-4144. Do it today. 888-644-4144. And if we've been a blessing to you, we ask that you would prayerfully consider partnering with us financially. Remember, as you give, 
You're not giving to us as much as you're giving through us to change the world. That being said, today, I want to take up a very important question, really two important questions. Number one, what do I do if I'm struggling to love my local church? Yesterday, we had Dr. John Piper on, and we talked about what do we do if we struggle with desiring God when I don't desire God. Today, we want to talk about what do you do when you're struggling to love your church. But the second question I want to deal with is for those of you who do love your church and want to be a member of a church of your church that makes a real difference, how do you do that? How do you make a difference in your local church? I got a great book called Love Your Church. It's eight great things about being a church member. Tony Marita is the author of the book. Tony is a pastor for preaching and vision at Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's also vice president of theological training for Acts 29 and a council member for the Gospel Coalition. He's uh, written a ton. He's a faithful pastor, loves his wife, Kimberly, and their five children as well. Tony joins me today. Hey, Tony, how are you? Hey, Chris. Great to be with you, man. Man, if I got my facts straight, you used to be a shortstop, didn't you? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Uh, All right, over so, twenty years ago now. But but you still gotta gotta call it. We we got a World Series going on. Astros or Phillies? Who you rolling with? I'm rolling with the Phillies, man. I, I didn't think I could dislike anyone more than the Yankees, but now it's the Astros. Yeah. All right. Now now that yeah. we got the audience divided, let's talk about what unites us. Obviously, our love for Christ, our love for the local church. Man, you've been pastoring. Uh, let's start with your love for the local church. Just talk about your passion for the Bride of Christ, the good folks at Imago Day, but broadly your love for the local church. Yeah, so uh, I was brought to faith in Christ uh, in college. Actually, my uh, second baseman led me to faith. I was a shortstop, as you mentioned, and um, I immediately got plugged into campus ministry, um, began uh, preaching, teaching, speaking at different events, a lot of student events, a lot of you know college events. Um, and since the call to uh, to ministry, and um, went to seminary in New Orleans, and I went there wanting to basically do everything but be a pastor. Um, I I knew I wanted to preach. I, I knew I wanted to to serve the Lord, but I didn't really have a good uh, doctrine of the church. I didn't have a real good sense of what it meant to uh, even be a member of a church. Um, and uh, through a couple of classes and some mentoring, I just really, that's where my love for the church began to grow. And it was pretty simple. It was just basically looking at the church from the New Testament's perspective and just seeing how, what Jesus says about the church and what the epistles say about the church. And then it just became a question of how, how, how can I align myself with this vision, this lofty vision of, of, uh, of God's church. Um, and so ended up walking into, you know, pastoral ministry, served in a couple of churches. And then 11 years ago, we planted the church where I serve now, uh, Imago Day. Well, you know, very rarely does a book get, get dedicated to a church family. Typically when books are dedicated to a spouse or to a mentor, I think it's absolutely beautiful and speaks volumes that you've dedicated this amazing book, Love Your Church, to your church family. And hopefully that communicates to them as much as it does to me, your deep love for them. But talk about what the church is, because 
let's be honest and deal with the elephant in the room. A lot of folks are struggling in this season for a myriad of reasons with having deep, vibrant, nourishing, loving communion within the context of a local church. There's uh, cynicism on the rise. There's more isolation post-COVID than what we've seen in this country's history. Disconnection that's happening. A lot of church woundedness. So what is the church and why should we love the communion of believers? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I think we're, you know, we're called to love what Jesus loves. And uh, Jesus loves his church, Ephesians 5. Um as Paul's talking about marriage, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Um, Paul says a lot of wonderful things in the book of Ephesians about the church. Uh, the God's making it known his manifold wisdom through the church. Um, just uh, phrase after phrase in, in the pastoral epistles speaking about the centrality of the church. Um, so I think um, one of the, one of the, problems we often have with our view of the church is we do view it experientially first rather than biblically and i think if you do that then yes wounds church hurt disappointment with the leaders whatever it might be can really jade your perspective and i think we need we're going to fight that our whole lives uh if we don't first start with the church and say hey i know this the, the church is imperfect but it's indispensable um, for basic discipleship, and I'm going to do everything I can do to contribute to the health of the church. Um, so I think that's an important word. I think um, we, well, you know, a lot of people still view the church more like an event that you attend or yeah. a building that you go to rather than a, a family to whom you belong. And I think, um, you know, we live in a very individualistic culture here in the West, a very uh, consumeristic culture in the West. And so we have to push through these ideas um, that, you know, the church is not there to cater to our needs. Um, the, the church is, is a family. And, and like our family, biologically, nuclear, our, our, you know, our, our family that we see at Christmas and we're going to see at Thanksgiving, uh, we have some crazy family members, you know, like we've got some, <laughs> we've got some disappointment. Um, you know, I, I have five adopted children. Uh, four from Ukraine, one from Ethiopia. And when we took Joshua from Ethiopia to his first Christmas um, uh, to, to visit um, my par- my uh, wife's parents uh, in Northern Virginia, he looked at me and he, he said, all the, he saw the lights. He saw all these, saw the, all these people. And he said, Papa, are all these people, our family? And I was like, yeah, man. And, and I wanted to say like, unfortunately they're all our family <laughs> because you know, when, right. when you get adopted, you, you not only get a new dad, but yes. you get a new family. And yeah. that's what happens when you become a Christian. You don't just get a new relationship with God. You also get brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, like them or not, get along or not, they're, they're family. And I think the Lord wants to grow us even through the difficulties in relationships, uh, which is why Paul has to say things like in Colossians 3, bear with one another. Like that was, that's a very common basic experience, right? So I think those are some thoughts, you know, uh, related to what the church is and some of our are obstacles to really pressing in and loving her. You know, when I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote this famous book that many maybe are aware of. If you've not read Life Together, I think that Life Together is such a powerful forming book. Mm -hmm. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about just not only the beauty, but the 
transformational impact of being in community um, with believers has on us. And he uh, really shapes it, I think, the way you do in both privileges and responsibilities. Talk mm-hmm. about how maybe Bonhoeffer has impacted you, why we need life together, and uh, mm-hmm. this, uh, this whole thought of the privileges and responsibilities that come along with being a member mm-hmm. of a local church. Yeah, it, Bonhoeffer has really impacted us. That little book, we we go back to time and time again as a church. Sometimes we'll take a break from, uh, we do sermon-based small groups uh, in, in, in homes, but occasionally we'll just pull life together back out or even excerpts and just read that as a, as a uh, group. It's been very edifying, very helpful uh, through the years. Um, yeah, I mean, we're made for community. That's that's part of what it means to be to be made in the Imago Day, is that um, we're not made to be lone rangers. And when we're saved, we're saved into community. We're not to be lone ranger Christians, but um, we are we are brothers and sisters. And you know, we can often read those those words in the New Testament and just kind of pass over them. But often when Paul is calling the church brothers and sisters, he's speaking to Jew and Gentile. You see that a lot, like in the book of Romans. And that's just an, a miracle has happened to be able to call each other brother and sister. You know, sometimes in the church yes. we say that because we forget each other's names. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, but that's a, that's a beautiful thing to, to be brought into this community. And I think, you know, the, the wider world is longing for this. Um, and we often say here that we have two things to offer the world. We have gospel and community. And um, you, you don't have to look far to see examples of this longing for real community. Um, I often use the illustration of television shows. Through the years, some of the most popular shows have been about community, whether it's Cheers or yes. Friends or Lost, or there's even a show called Community. <laughs> um and we're just we're made for this, and I think that's a that's a fundamental point that we need to recognize because we we kind of have this me and Jesus mentality uh, in in our uh, specific culture that we're often you know pushing against, and it is true, it's gloriously true that Christ loved me and gave Himself for me, but all through the New Testament you see all these plural pronouns, you know it's it's us, it's we, it's it's our God, it's uh, our Father who art in heaven. And so I think just recognizing not just our personal identity in Christ is important, but our communal identity that that we are yes. a people together. Right. Yeah. I love that you bring that out because, um, man, you look at the book of Ephesians and so often we are trained to read that just through the lens of individualism and make no mistake about it. We live in a hyper individualistic culture, but uh, Paul and other writers um, they see themselves in the context of a Christ-centered community, and who we are is deeply shaped by those we're connected to in Christ. We're going to talk about this more on the other side of this uh, break. I love what Bonhoeffer uh, has to teach us. He says here about life together that the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Maybe your dream has been disrupted. What is God calling us to in a local church? Let's discuss it next up on Equip. Equippers, thank you for your faithful monthly support. Please don't miss our Zoom webinar coming up on Thursday, November 17th, right after the program. 
you should have received an email detailing how to sign up for this interactive face-to-face meeting. If you are not an equipper and want to attend, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Phone number 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. We're looking at a wonderful book, Love Your Church. Pastor Tony is with us to talk about this wonderful book, but I do want to give you opportunity to join the conversation. Uh, Maybe you're a church member, and you do. You love your church, but you're looking for practical ways on how you can be a blessing. Maybe you um, are, are struggling with thinking through, how can I, as a member of a local church, really make an impact? You know, Tony, I was uh, blessed to be raised in a home where uh, that was the ethos. You know, I even talked to my mom last night, and uh, I know that my mom is wired that way, where her heart is, man, how can I best serve my local church and my brothers and sisters uh, that I'm in community with in this beautiful spiritual family that is joined together on mission for Christ. And so that deeply shaped me. But maybe you're looking for some practical ways. Pastor Tony has action steps and wisdom uh, that we'd love to share with you. But maybe you're processing through a, a question or connection to the local church, 877-LIVE-675, 877 877- Five four eight thirty six seventy five. Join the conversation. One of the sections in your book is about obstacles to community. I pulled that quote that I gave before we ended our last segment from that section of your book where you quote Bonhoeffer, and uh, you list some things: sensationalism, mysticism, um, idealism, individualism. Talk about why connection is tough in this moment and uh, some of those obstacles and how we can overcome them? Yeah, uh, great, great question. And there, there are obviously more obstacles than that, right? Um, yes. As you just look at the uh, uh, some of the hot topics today that you guys discuss on this show, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflict. Um, sensationalism by that, I mean, we, we, um, you know, we're often really uh, attracted to the dramatic um, maybe it's a huge conference or the latest controversy, um, you know, and we're, a lot of people are kind of Christian thrill seekers and the church can look quite mundane. Sometimes it can look like childcare, you know, it can look mm-hmm. like, um, helping a single mom, you know, and the, and these, you, these sorts of things don't usually excite sensationalists and so um that that's an obstacle that we we need to overcome to recognize just the importance of everyday faithfulness in uh the life of the church so that's a beautiful thing that's a that's a glorious thing um mysticism by that i'm talking about those who are really into kind of private experiences um those who who love kind of uh, to, to get away on personal retreats or, um, you know, they, they don't really have deep connection to a biblical community. Uh, again, sort of the Lone Ranger Christian idea. Um, again, that's quite foreign to the New Testament that you would ever 
try to live a Christian faith kind of on your own. Um, you know, there's no way to practice all the one another's in scripture. If we all live in a desert, uh, individually, um, idealism, you hit on the Bonhoeffer quote that we use a lot, that there really is this need to crush our idealistic vision of, of what church must look like. Um, and, and live kind of in the, the here and now. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that we, we just, you know, let things go or that we're not always working to, to really improve our church, but there, there some have very unrealistic expectations of church. Um, and then, yes, individualism. In, in the West, this is a real challenge, um, we're, we're, but we're, we're called to embodied relationships, um, to, to be in the, the muck and the mire, as it were, with individuals. Um, I've always been struck, especially during the pandemic, with what John says at the end of a couple of his letters, like in Second John 12, when he says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Uh, instead, I hope to come talk to you face to face. And then he adds, so that our joy may be complete. Yeah. Um, and so he, he recognizes that, you know, it's wonderful to communicate in ways other than life on life, face to face. But it's so much better to, to be together that there's a absence of joy that exists when we're trying to live these these individualistic lives. His joy is complete, he says, when I can talk to you face to face. Um, and so I just know I need biblical community. You know, it'd be easy to hear a pastor talking about love your church and think, well, that's what you're supposed to tell us. You know, you're the pastor, um, <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm not. And I'm like, no, I need, I need, uh, first I'm a member yes, before I'm yes. a pastor, you know, and I need biblical community as much as anybody. All right, we're going to go to the phone lines. There's so much richness to your book, and I want to get back to the content of your book. But Chris has been waiting online from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I love Chattanooga and our friends there. Chris, thank you for your patience. What's your question? Well, my question is um, my wife and I had to go to um, Nashville for two months for cancer treatment for her. Sure. And when we come back, the church was completely different. Um, it's like we left one church, came back to a completely different church. There's secretists or secretism stuff going on. Yeah. It just seems like we're outsiders now, yeah. and I'm not sure what to do. Yeah. You know, because my my verse that that I live by or that I my life verse is Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Iron sharpens iron, and and if you're not in a in a good place, it's like you're you're with a rock instead of or, a, or mud instead of iron. I mean, you're not getting sharpened like you need to. Sure. Well, uh, first off, Chris, thank you for calling and uh, sharing that. Secondly, man, my heart breaks for the fact that you uh, are are hurting in in a clear way. Uh, I would just say uh, two things, and then I love Pastor Tony to give you an opportunity to address Chris's heart. I, I hope that all of us would have a patient long-suffering with our churches. It's so easy in this day and age to get offended and to leave. And I'm not blaming you for this, Chris, but so often we leave quickly. And uh, I see our, local, uh, our covenant with our local church in many ways the same way I see a marriage covenant. I take it that seriously. Now, I admit, as Tony said, I'm a pastor, but I do believe that the covenant that we have with a local community should be taken seriously and deeply. With that being said, your question is still relevant. What do I do when I'm hurting? Seems like your timeline uh, dates back to COVID period. 
And, man, it's not a surprise to me to hear you say we were away and we come back and things feel different. A lot has changed about the mood, the ethos of a lot of local churches. But I will simply say this, that oftentimes the very things that may irritate us, annoy us, bother us, hurt us, are the very things that God has called us to very areas that God has called us to make a difference in. So maybe come alongside of your church, see how you can uh, serve to be a blessing, to provide care for other members since you're there. Share your heart with your pastor and leaders. They may not even see some of these things, so don't assume that they know and they're just blowing it off. Try to love them well and see if God can use you to help you to love others well. Pastor Tony, we got about a minute, but anything you want to add? No, that's a great question. I, I think there are real reasons, you know, to leave a church. Um, but but um, I, in a situation like this, and I don't know all the details, obviously, um, I'm reminded of what we often tell our church here, and that is to, as a faithful Christian, sometimes we need to have a lot of awkward conversations. And um, this may be a case, and maybe the caller has already done this, but I would sit down with the leaders. I would have kind of this honest conversation and talk about these differences, these changes, um, kind of the discouragement that is being experienced and uh, see if the Lord might show up in that moment. Cause I've just, I've been in a lot of meetings where I don't want to have these conversations. And what do you know? The, the outcome is you know totally unexpected uh, because the Lord has a way of showing up when there's honesty, when there's, uh, you know, uh, seeking to maintain the unity of the spirit. Uh, and so I would I would encourage that in that situation. Appreciate you, Chris. Stay on the line. We'd love to get you a complimentary copy of Pastor Tony's book, Love Your Church. We believe you'll use it and it'll be a blessing to you. Eight great things about being a church member. We're going to dive right into those when we come back. These breaks only give you opportunity to learn more about our guests and our resource. Go to equipradio.org. Click on today's program details. You'll find ordering information there. We'll be right back. When we desire God above all things, sin falls away and we become passionate and fruitful in our Christian life. What can we do when we find ourselves without this joy in the Lord? This is a common struggle, which is why I chose John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, as our impact gift for this month. It's yours when you give a gift of any size to equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org and find your way back to faith-sustaining, everlasting joy. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. All month long, for those of you who support the program, we'll sing you Dr. John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy. I would love to send that over to you. If you can dial the number 888-644-4144, we can do that. Um, If you're struggling in this season with your relationship with God, it feels like a dark night of the soul, you're struggling to feel the joy of your salvation, I'd love for you to call in, or if you know someone who is, get a copy of this wonderful resource, When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy, 888-644-4144. Today, Pastor Tony Morita is with us to talk about how to love your church well, things, eight great things you can do 
uh, to really express that love for your local church. We're going to go back to the book in just a moment, Pastor Tony. But first, a comment from Wayne, who's listening in Connecticut. Hey, Wayne, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment, my friend? Oh, uh, just a comment. Um, well, thank you, uh, Pastor Chris, Pastor Tony, um, for the work that you are doing in the ministry. Um, I just want to say I love the church. Um, I am currently a OTR, which is over-the-road truck driver. I go from coast to coast, coast to coast, and I've been doing this for the last year and a half, and I miss the church. Yeah. And it's literally, it's, it's literally a shame. If you're able to go to church and attend and you're not, that's that's literally uh, uh, I would call it a sin and a shame. But yeah. but uh, it's 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 I miss the church so much, and I'm starting to. Uh oh, you're breaking up a little bit, Wayne. But I so appreciate your heart on the road, even now, calling in, expressing your love for your church, uh, Pastor Tony. Can you pray briefly for Wayne? Uh, that uh, God would encourage his heart and about his mm-hmm. connection to his church. Yeah. Father, I thank you for, for guys like Wayne who are out on the road today, um, but listening to programs like this who love you, who, who love uh, your church. And uh, I pray that you would, uh, by your grace, give him wisdom on how he can uh, have meaningful community uh, in the, with this particular profession. Um, we, we pray that you would encourage his soul even today um, that the gospel would be made uh, fresh and new uh, in his heart and that you would uh, lead him to worship as he drives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are eight chapters in your book. There's an introduction, a foreword by Ray Ortland. Now, you've not asked me this, but if you were to ask me, Tony, Chris, what's your favorite chapter of the book? I would say chapter four. I love this thought of caring and displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And let me tell you why. Number one, it's because I think we desperately need Christians who are committed to bringing the fruit of the Spirit to the party. I think so mm-hmm. often there's division, there's uh, the spirit of the age, the divisiveness, the vitriol, the anger of our age, cancel culture, all those things. Man, where are the Christians who are committed to bringing the fruit of the Spirit to community? And secondly, I love that chapter because there's things that we need to know in this technology age we can't get from online church. We need to be reminded that technology is a supplement but never a substitute for local community. Uh, but, But Pastor Tony, talk about this chapter for this caring chapter and, w- and why bringing the fruit of the Spirit can be a big difference maker. Oh, yeah, it, it is a big difference maker. Um, it's a prayer of my own, you know, every day, Lord, help me to do this. Um, I, I can always identify with the disciples as Jesus was training them, how they were they were kind of roughnecks, you know, like at one point yeah. uh, that James and John want to call down fire on the Samaritans. Um, Peter cuts a guy's ear off <laughs> and these are the guys who later write, love one another, mm. um, you know, practice hospitality without grumbling. And, you know, I'm, I was born in Detroit and, um, I come from a, a very blue collar, uh, family and I was a bit of a brawler, you know? Um, and when the Lord saved me, it was, it was a new, it was a new vision of life <laughs> of, of being gentle, of bearing each other's burdens, of, 
um, outdoing one another by showing honor, all of those one another's that we read in the New Testament. Um, and what I found as we try to put this uh, on display, this idea of caring for those in our church, um, man, I am blessed as I care uh, for others, which, which is why I call these privileges and responsibilities. Like it is a responsibility to care for uh, those in our church, but it's also a blessing to to do that. Um, and I think um, if if believers would sort of wake up in the morning and just ask themselves the question like, uh, who, who's burdened in, in the church and how can I today try to make their burdens lighter? Um, what, what, what can I do? And to do that, you've got to be in community, first of all, to, to know what people are carrying. You've got to you know, be, be in a small group, be in relationship, whatever, so that you can identify these needs and then seek to, to bless others. Um, but you're right. If we're just doing an online thing, um, there are certain things we might be able to do okay, but um, we're, we're not going to do that bear one another's burdens in a practical way if we're not, you know, physically present. Um, and that's why, you know, there's always going to be deficiencies in kind of the online experience. Uh, there's nothing like life on life ministry together. You know, when I think about life on life ministry, I think that's the crux of it, right? This generation, the struggle has been, do I really need that? I love what Tony Evans says, you know, when people ask, uh, do I need to be a part of a local church, to be a Christian? Uh, the answer is no, but he kind of equates it to the question, do I need to go home at night to be married? You may not need to go home at night to be married uh, but it certainly goes a lot better when you do, right? So yeah. th this whole thought of being connected shows up in chapter three. And, and I hate to, in some ways, I jumped right to uh, chapter four because in some ways it, it assumes that gathering is a value. But let's make mm -hmm. the case that gathering is a value, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um you know, really at the heart of the meaning of the church, ecclesia, is this idea of gathering, assembling. Um, and so there is an assumption that as a church, we are we are assembled together and uh, there for, for worship, but also there to edify one another. You know, it's, it's interesting in some of the epistles where singing is talked about. It's we're, we're singing also not just to the Lord, but to one another. Um, and that's, again, another reason we need to be physically present in order to to live out that command, not to mention other exhortations that we just can't uh, live out if we're not uh, together. So uh, I, um, you know, provide some action steps, as you mentioned, at the end of each chapter and just trying to get very practical. And I've had a number of people comment on a couple of them, like how drama seems to happen every Sunday morning in their house. <laughs> um or in the minivan on the way to church. Um, and so I think just recognizing, man, this is not always going to be easy. There will be very practical challenges that we need to overcome in order to um, make make the gathering a priority. Um, but it's worth it, and it's needed. We need it. Uh, our kids need to see us worshiping. They need to see us valuing uh, the gathering and not, uh, you know, allowing uh, regular absences from uh, the gathering for unnecessary reasons. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's a big battle. I think uh, a lot of churches continue to fight in the, the post-COVID world. Let, let me ask a question that I think is 
on the on, on the minds of many. It, you know, there are certain uh, demographics of the community, the local body of believers that tend to find uh, connection challenging in the modern ways that we approach church. Uh, so with that preface in, in many ways, what do you say to older single Christians who say, you know, I come to church, there's such an emphasis on marriage and family that as a single, I'm having a hard time getting connected, finding community. What do you say? Yeah, uh, for one, I sympathize with that. And I do think there there is a, a big assumption oftentimes uh, that even in, in my preaching, if I don't deliberately think about every demographic in my church, it's easy to make application for families uh, throughout the sermon. And what I've started doing in my pastoral prayer is praying for singles. Um, and when I first started doing that, it was amazing how they came and thanked me. And I don't even say a whole lot. It's just uh, a recognition that everybody's in a different stage and age in the congregation. I just try to pray through those categories. That means a lot. I think um, for us, uh, we've tried to not have these uh, ministries that are more affinity based. So we yes. have singles yes. in small groups that have, you know, families and kids and so on. And then again, just trying to create this culture that we are family and um, marriage is not salvation. And, uh, the, the church is the place where we experience deep and abiding community and will forever, you know. Um, and so I, 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 I do sympathize. I'm always trying to think through that myself. Like, how are we serving singles? My wife tends to gravitate to single ladies in our church. Uh, we have a number of them. And um, that's some of her closest friends. And so I would just say to singles, like you, you don't have to be married to have deep friendships and deep community in a church where a lot of people are married. I think it, it could be a little awkward at times or difficult, but definitely worth it. I love it. And, uh, you know, what you just said, I think, is healing and instructive. It's healing from the perspective that the church needs to continue to say that marriage is not salvation. I feel like saying, can I get an amen? Uh, <laughs> but, that, but that's certainly the case. But secondly, we need to make sure that we are instructing local churches that as you cast a vision for community, don't fall into the temptation of building around affinity groups as the primary model. Doesn't mean that there aren't certain times where maybe a grief group can come together. Mm -hmm. uh, we, sure. a couple years ago, uh, lost an, uh, our oldest son, and mm -hmm. uh, it was great to have some parents who have been through that to talk to and process. So it's not like a crime or legal or offensive to the gospel to occasionally have affinity groups, but the backbone of the local church is that marrieds and singles, young and old, mm -hmm. People who live in the city or in the suburbs, rich mm -hmm. and poor, all coming together, right? Black mm -hmm. and white, Latino, Asian, all coming together in community. That's the the power of the gospel that tears mm -hmm. down those cultural barriers that would normally divide us. Well, one of, one of the things that Pastor Ray Ortland says in his foreword for Tony's book is that he loves that he put action steps at the end of each chapter. We're going to talk to Pastor Tony after this next break about why 
that's so important. How do you become a member of a local church that makes a difference? Well, Pastor Tony's book will lay out eight great ways you can do that, friends. And one of the ones we're going to talk about when we come back is honoring. How do you become a member that makes a difference? Simply by honoring. You want to get this book. I would encourage you to read it through as an elder group at your local church. Read it as an individual. Read it in your life group, your small group. But get your hands on a copy of Love Your Church. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Click on today's program details. Ordering information is there. Get equipped with me, Chris Brooks, and grow spiritually, think critically, and live compassionately in your community. Go to moodyradio.org and enter for a chance to win a new Apple laptop. Grand prize winner will also win $500 in logged off software, a masterclass, and more. Now, runners-up will win an equipped t-shirt or the book, One Volume Seminary. Contest ends November 14th. For a full list of prizes and to enter, go to moodyradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Have you gone to our website yet? If not, I want to encourage you to do so. Please go to equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. And there we can help you to get connected. Also, don't forget, we got a contest going up through November 14th for you to uh, enter to win if you're the grand prize winner. An Apple laptop with Logos Bible software and so much more. It's our way of equipping you to more effectively live, share, and defend your faith. And oh yeah, you get access to a Moody course as well, which I am fired up that uh, hopefully you'll take advantage of. Enter to win. Go to moodyradio.org, and there you can find out more about uh, the Equip Radio uh, uh, contest. And I, I hope that you'll connect with us there today. Pastor Tony Marita is with us to talk about his book, love your church, eight great things about being a church member. Pastor Tony, with our time left, what is it that you hope people will get from your book? Yeah, I really, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. I want them to love Jesus and love his church more as a result of diving into this book. Um, I, you know, I, I wrote the book for laity. It's not for leaders. It's for the average Joe um, in in a in a church. It's a useful book for church membership classes if pastors are looking for uh, resources like that. Um, but that's really the goal. I just I want yeah. people to see the church from the New Testament's perspective to see how much Jesus loves the bride and and how we're called to follow him in that. You, this this whole thing of honoring. Um, there's obviously been. Um, a number of uh, unfortunate high-profile cases of pastors who have blown it, falling from from grace, if you will, uh, morally missteps. And I think, unfortunately, what that's done is overshadowed the faithful work of a lot of church leaders who maybe work even in obscurity, mm-hmm. loving people, sharing faithfully the gospel. Um, what is it about honoring your leaders that makes such a huge difference and why do we desperately need it now? Yeah, well, first to the challenge of it, you know, uh, there's a lot of skepticism today and and criticism about just leaders in general, uh, whether we're talking about the world of business or institutions or in sports. 
So there's a lot of distrust um, and there's been a lot of hurt caused by leaders. And so I think that negativity often spills into people's view of leaders in the church. Um, and I think it's important to remember in the New Testament that the writers are well aware of both good leaders and bad leaders. Um, but that that did not that, that doesn't mean that because they're bad leaders, we shouldn't honor the, the good ones. Um, <laughs> you know, Paul or Peter doesn't tell the church, well, just stop going to church because there are some crazies out there. Um, but rather, we should be even quicker to honor good leaders in light of the the the, the stories that you've uh, you know uh, thought about uh, with with those who've fallen. Man, if I have a a happy, humble, hardworking pastor, I ought to give God praise for that, you know, and I ought to honor uh, that particular leader and recognize a lot of people have not had such experiences. Um, and so. Uh, this particular chapter was a little awkward to to write because I'm writing about honoring uh, faithful pastors and I'm a pastor. Sure. <laughs> so I didn't want to write it as a, uh, in fact, I've struggled to write it. And the publisher kept saying, no, we have to include this chapter. It's an important topic. And so um, I just tried to really uh, root it in first Peter chapter five, where Peter's talking about the, the character that a pastor should have, the motivations they should have, and then, uh, kind of the, the need for us to give honor to those who are doing that. Um, and I just know when pastors feel honored, when they feel valued, um, that, you know, for me, it inspires even harder work. It inspires, uh, even greater, uh, zeal for sermon prep and for caring for the church well. And so, um, part of being a good church member, I think, is being a good encourager to your leaders. I think we all, excuse me, I think we all desperately want the church to be better, the bride of Christ to really reflect um, the character of her Lord um, and to, again, just bear faithful witness to the culture that we live in today. Um, but I think so often we outsource that job. We delegate it or assume in our minds that somebody else's responsibility to make that happen. But the truth is, is that it's our responsibility and we can. That's the whole heart of your book. We can be a difference maker in our local church. I want you, friends, to explore and learn these eight glorious privileges of being a part of a church. Pastor Tony has done a phenomenal job uh, helping to put this into one resource, but you and I can be a difference maker in our local church. So I want to encourage you to do so. Pastor Tony, thank you for the book. Thank you for joining me, brother. You're such a huge blessing. Friends, I want to encourage you to go to our website, equipradio.org. Until we're together again next time, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but as a believer, we live in two worlds at the same time, the natural and the spiritual worlds. This dual citizenship impacts our public witness, especially as it pertains to political engagement. I want to talk to author Patrick Streiner about how the gospel affects our politics on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.